Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I just walked on the side of the highway for an iced coffee. And that's on gay rights. Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Jake Jake has has I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my god, Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, I am coming to you from the New York Stage and Film Festival in Poughkeepsie, New York, and I am here working on a new musical called A Wrinkle in Time, an adaptation of the original book. And you guys, this musical is going to be unbelievable. It has music and lyrics by Heather Christian, an incredible composer and lyricist. And it's directed by the incredible Lee Sunday Evans. It has a book by Lauren Yee. You guys, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to work on a project like this from the ground up. This is a complete workshop of the show. So it's very process oriented and they're not looking to focus on, you know, a finished product by the end of this workshop. So it really allows us as artists to dive in and just explore and it's so fun it's the hardest music i've ever learned but it's absolutely beautiful and when it all comes together it's so so incredible so i cannot wait for you guys to hopefully get to experience this musical at some point in the you know the near future and with that we gotta dive right into this week's broadway world recap because you guys there is some crazy kooky things happening in this world (laughs) It was just announced that starting today at the time of this recording, SAG-AFTRA is officially joining the WGA on strike. The WGA has been on strike for over 70 days picketing and SAG-AFTRA finally said, you know what, the time has come for us to stand by you. And the president of SAG-AFTRA, Miss Fran Drescher, gave an incredible empowered speech about how we are standing with the Writers Guild. And you guys, this is kind of momentous because it marks the first time in 63 years that Hollywood has collectively come together and said, we are going on strike until you meet our demands. So there's really no way to tell what this means for, you know, TV and film that is currently in production. Um, People like Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo took to their social media to post in solidarity, which... I would assume means that obviously like the Wicked movie is not 
um, going to continue production at this time. So I'm, I'm so interested to see what happens in the next days, weeks, hopefully not months, with this strike. In the world of musical theater and Broadway, however, things are still cooking, you guys. It was just announced that the West End revival of Cabaret is transferring to Broadway, and I cannot even tell you how excited I am for this show. I have wanted to see it so badly, but I don't live in London, so that was sort of out of the question, but it's coming to Broadway, and honestly, as much as I wanna see it, I wanna be in it, so casting, if you need an MC, I'm your girl, I'm your lady. And another show that is eyeing a Broadway transfer in 2024 is one transparent musical, which we talked about um, a few weeks ago on the podcast, which features a friend of mine, Ms. Liz Larson. And I think it's the perfect time for a show like this with this type of message about trans youth and trans inclusion and equity to be brought to Broadway. I think it's gonna be a huge hit. I, I'm really excited to see um, how well they can do in a commercial setting. So wishing them and their show all the best. I can't wait. Next, you guys, in a bit of controversial news, it was announced that the North American tour of Funny Girl will star Katerina McCrimmon in the role of Fanny Bryce. And this announcement has been met with quite a bit of scrutiny as Miss Katerina McCrimmon is not actually Jewish, and Fanny Bryce, as we know, was famously a woman of Jewish descent and was a real person. So many people have taken to their social media to express their concern, their disappointment, and frankly, their outrage that these casting people and the show itself would allow a non-Jewish person to tell this story. And while I don't know Katarina personally, I do know that she's extremely talented. So there's no doubt in my mind that obviously she could handle starring in a national tour or playing this role. But I see where people are coming from by saying, listen, it's about time that we see Jewish representation in these roles that are written by and for Jewish people. And while I do think that this show is different than taking on something like Fiddler on the Roof, which is much more rooted in the religious element of Jewish culture and heritage, I just think it's kind of disappointing because we know so many brilliant Jewish actor, singer, comedians who could take on this role. Friends of the pod, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So I would love to hear your opinions, you guys especially if you are of Jewish faith, Jewish descent, I'd love to hear what your opinions are on this type of casting. So feel free to DM me on Instagram at guys, or shoot me an email at ompug at gmail.com. And let's talk about it. And lastly, you guys, it was just announced that Eva Noblezada is going to play her final performance in Town in August. She was absolutely incredible in the role of Eurydice, and she's been doing the show for years. She originated this role, and I'm honestly so happy for her that she gets to put a, a stamp on this experience and turn a new chapter after such an incredible, incredible run at the Walter Kerr Theater. So congratulations to Ava Noblezada, and you guys have until August to catch her in the show. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I'm so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. He is a Broadway performer, a teacher, a composer and lyricist, 
And now a friend of mine, as we are currently working on a workshop of A Wrinkle in Time at the New York Stage and Film Festival, Please welcome my pal, Mr. Robbie Hager. Oh my God, hola, que tal, hello. Oh, como estas? Muy bien, muy bien. Oh. It's going to be in Spanish, so everybody just buckle up. <laughs> Get your translations ready. Ready to go. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm thank really, really good. Thank you for being here. I'm thank so you. excited to chat with you. Yeah, thank You've you. You've done so you. many things. I can't wait to hear all about them. But tell yes. me, what was your road to the New York Stage and Film Festival? This is how we got to meet, which is so exciting. Yeah, um, I think it really was uh, through my agent and through uh, Ben Moss, who's our music director here. Yes. I've worked with him many times. And uh, and yeah, it was really just through through that that way, I guess. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So you have you worked with Ben before? Yes, Ben and I go way back. Uh, he, I met him when the National Tour of Spring Awakening went out, mm -hmm. and at that time I was doing the Broadway version, and there was like a party that happened, and then that's how we met, and he, uh, he at that point he was an actor, he still is an actor, a beautiful singer, um, but then we reconnected when we did, there was this reunion that happened, we did a concert, a 15-year reunion concert with the original cast of Spring Awakening, and uh, he was assistant, assisting Kim Grigsby, who was a music director for that. Sure. And uh, and I, at the time, I I've been writing a lot of it for the last couple like couple years, four or five years. And I had a project that I had in mind, and I was like, oh, you know what? I keep forgetting that Ben is a great guy, and he's really good at music directing. So I need to I need to put him back on my list of music directors. Yeah, totally. Um, and then we reconnected. Um, last year when we did this musical called Azul that I'm a part of as, as an actor. Yeah. And then he music directed my musical and we did a reading in New York in October of last year. Amazing! Yeah. So you've had a long history with yes. Mr. Ben Moss. Definitely, definitely. Fantastic. Well, I mean, you touched on it already, but I am just dying to hear about your experience with the original Broadway company of Spring Awakening. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about such an iconic show a revolutionary show and it was your first yeah which is like crazy i mean jumping out of the gate with people like michael mayer and uh, yes. leah michelle and uh -huh. all of these insane i mean jonathan groff like yeah. what was your your road to that show like what was the audition experience um how uh, did you end up there yeah i mean it, it's funny it, i had auditioned originally for the off-broadway production and that was at the atlantic and that day, I was going to the city with my dad so I could write this essay in Spanish to get scholarship to go to school. And I was going to go study opera performance at that point. Okay. So it was senior year, I was going to go do this in the city. And of course, typical Robbie Hager fashion, I'm late, so they didn't, they didn't <laughs> let me in. So then my dad was like, well, let's go get some breakfast at a diner somewhere, and then let's pick up a backstage magazine. Uh, and let's see if there's any audition you can just do while we're here. And sure enough, Spring Awakening, the off-Broadway auditions were there, and they said, you can play and sing. If you can play piano, you can sing if you don't have sheet music. And Because I, I didn't bring my book for this. So right. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that. <clears throat> and I sang, uh, I sang a piece for them. And then from then on, it's just like, it was like about six or eight callbacks later. I didn't get that, but I was called, being, being called in... Um, or Melchior at that point. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I after I graduated high school, I started going to SUNY Purchase for vocal performance. And like about a month in, I get the call that they want me to come join the Broadway company. Wow. 
and I was like, do I go do rock music or stick with opera? I think I'm going to go do the Duncan Sheik musical. <laughs> and so I left college and I, I went into to New York to do this. Amazing. So yeah. your, your journey with that show kind of started while you were still the age that mm-hmm. the characters in the show actually are. Yeah, all of us. Which I is mean, fantastic. <clears throat> all of us. I mean, there was... Um, tutoring happening while we were in rehearsals and throughout the show. Right. You know, um, some of them were 15. God, that's so insane. So all of us, I mean, I was 17 when this happened, and uh, yeah, it was wild. Mm-hmm. It was a wild experience to just get thrown into a hit show. And also because during rehearsals and during tech and previews, you know, even the producers, Tom Hulse and Ira Pittleman, would talk to us about we don't know where this is going to go. Right. Because during previews, we saw people leaving. It wasn't like the of hit course. that it was until we got the Tony. Right. You know, so all th- even opening, which was amazing, like even through opening up until June and the Tonys, there was a worry that we might not last. Sure. And uh, but sure enough, it was people started loving it. Yeah. And, so yeah. did you feel like you were able to sort of, you know, unpack and grapple with such strong, heavy material at that point in your life? Did you feel like you understood what you guys were saying and doing and I mean it's it's a very in-depth experience like sexually and you know uh, just as a whole yeah I mean honestly not not really like I I was I had just moved from Mexico Mexico City Mm -hmm. in the year 2000 so I had like six years being in this country and learning the ways of this country in a way and and finding my my own identity as as a Mexican-American here uh, learning my identity through my gayness because I came out really during Spring Awakening. That's sure. what, like really awakened that for me of like I need to come out and be, be myself. Um, but I knew, we all knew the themes, we knew what was going on, but we didn't, un- at least I didn't understand the, what it caused for people that had gone through traumatic experiences like the ones we were presenting on stage. You yeah. Know? Um, so that was something that like I got, as I got older, I realized, wow, that. I understand how impactful and how powerful this show really is uh, after experiencing it, you know, because while we're in it, we were, at least I know I was, you know, ego up, you know, incredible, huge ego that I got because, <laughs> oh, it's a hit show and I'm in the best show on Broadway and like, sure. I'm walking to the Broadway uh, uh, stage door and like that was really more alive than actually what is this show really doing for people. And so if I could go back in time, I would like really be like dig into that a bit more. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of us really were shocked at the responses that we were getting, and even at the stage door. When we would come out, there were stories that we weren't ready to listen to at that age. I was right. getting stories that were important to be heard, but I certainly was not the right person to, to advise Receive anyone. Receive them and on, yeah. like, you know, on suicide <laughs> and you know, on, on stuff about identity, stuff about being gay or not telling your parents. Yeah. Or, you know, I never talked to anybody about like, that went through an abortion or anything like that, but still, all these themes are really, really heavy. Yes. You know? Um, but I think Michael Mayer handled it, of course, brilliantly. Mm-hmm. You know, this this show, uh, after we did this HBO thing, which is a documentary about the creation of Spring Awakening right. and when it started, there were things I didn't know until I saw this last year. Oh my gosh, you that's know, until crazy. Until we witnessed it. And there's like, of course, there's so much love and care. This show took like over six years or more. Right to get to it to Broadway and what it's and what's become since you know? mm-hmm. so what is it like then to you know you you graduate on to other things you all sort of like had this huge like 
collective experience together mm -hmm. and then you as a cast all like move and grow and do different things and whatever but like what is it to to see you know these incredible peers of yours go on to have like such varied and incredible careers and then you all get to come back and and revisit the thing that like started it all for you and for most of you guys in the cast like yeah. what an incredible opportunity that must have been to it, revisit it it was amazing i mean everyone is so deserving of all the accolades that they've received i mean it is um, john groff is incredible i mean it, i just saw that this yes. movie that he did the uh, latest m night Shyamalan movie oh my it's, god it's fantastic it's amazing knock at the cabin yeah, knock at the cabin it's so good because <laughs> he was they filmed in philly and mm. uh, we went for a drink and it was really good to catch up before this uh, release of the hbo thing that happened yeah and it's just like right there's so many things that were like we never were on set with all of us of like we were still trying to figure ourselves out uh -huh. you know at that point so it was really cool to come back to this reunion and to this this rehearsal to be like oh we're people some of them are moms you know some yes. people are parents now you know we have different careers some of us and it's like I, it was really refreshing mm -hmm. and it was also kind of great to go back and realize anything that was not great about the experience didn't matter doesn't matter anymore sure least, you know because it was a, it's a hard show it was a lot of things to to maneuver and during the rehearsal process and feeling like are we feeling like like left out here and there for like the understudies uh it was myself krista jen and gerard there were moments that we felt like are we part of that cast or are we not right you know but returning at this reunion was like, oh, of course, this is a family. This is like forever. And, you know, led beautifully by John. Groff, right. You know, right. this whole uh, reunion experience. Um, and then having the whole team back together was like, wow, this really was powerful. Yeah. Like now I'm 36 and I'm like re thinking about when I was 17, I did this Broadway show that like moved Changed so many structures in musical theater yes. too. You know, now a lot of pop singers write musicals and because... Oh, yeah. Probably be a little bit because of this, mm -hmm. um, this show, yeah. And you had the opportunity to go on for multiple roles. You were yes. covering like all of the leads. All which... the boys, everyone except Moritz, which I really wanted to cover Moritz. Yeah. But Michael said, "Is like your voice is too legit, too too pretty. I mean, you need like a very rock sounding." Uh huh. Uh, so uh, Gerard Canonico covered it. Canonico. Oh my god, Gerard Canonico. <laughs> we'll edit that. No. Yeah. Uh, covered. Um, Covered Moritz, and he was phenomenal. Amazing. He was so good. Um, I covered Melchior, but I never went on. Mm -hmm. John Gruff was very good about staying and healthy. Staying healthy, yeah. Uh, but we all, between Gerard and I, we covered all the other boys, and yeah. it was fun to like, have I just go on. And we went on pretty often. Like, Amazing. Again, it was almost all of us' first Broadway show. Right. Well, and I'm sure that having, you know, obviously doing the work and, and being able to cover that many people provides you with sort of a sense of ownership over the show and the roles so i'm interested to hear what you felt and maybe what you guys as a group felt when it was being revived and it was done in a brand new way by deaf west and right you know sort of like reimagined with this brilliant yeah. um convention of featuring deaf actors deaf performers and then you know hearing people um playing their voices. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you were you able to see the I show? Saw it. And... I saw it and it was awesome. Uh, I love that idea and like, you know, cuz it really is about like what you can't say, you yeah. know. And this sort of thing of like you're you're not allowed to express yourself in certain in certain places still to this day, which is so frustrating. And I thought it was beautifully done by Michael Arden. Like mm -hmm. he's so good. Yeah. Know? Um no wonder what 
won, he won the Tony for Parade because he's a very good director. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so, and uh, yeah, I think it was really great. It's a beautiful show that can, you know, lives in this one location or one place. You know, a lot of times I think like designing it in the sense of a one one unit set sort of thing really helps the show to tell the story. Sure. And it was re it's really beautiful to see how there's many different ways that the actors can activate that space. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the Deaf West production was phenomenal. It was yeah. so beautiful. Um, yeah, I think I love when I see a, a revival of it or in, in it done in a completely different way. Um, I know when in Philadelphia there's a theater that did it in the set it in the 50s, a 50s diner. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wish I'd seen that. Mm -hmm. I didn't get, that was before I, I moved to Philly. But that's fun. I love that sort of thing with revivals. Mm -hmm. that They do really shift a whole perspective on yeah, it. Yeah, that sort of like reinvention yeah. of, of something that you probably knew inside and out, backwards. Yeah. You're mm -hmm. like, I know this piece. Mm -hmm. So then, what was your path when you closed Spring Awakening or did you leave the company or did the show did you close it out with yeah so I left the company about a year in, and I went to school okay uh, Michael and Tom are the best because I said like I want to I want to well I'll say I saw a production of Romeo and Juliet in the in the park in the Delacorte and while I was in Spring Awakening I said I want to do that mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that because I knew deep down I was my acting wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be mm. And I was like, I want to be able to do that. So I went to Michael and said, like, I think I want to go to school. I think I want to do some something. And they're like, this is a great idea. I think it'd be really beneficial for you. Let me help you. And so that, then that was like, you know, early summer. And then that fall, I was able to get into a school. And I went to SUNY Purchase, back wow. to SUNY Purchase, now for the acting pr uh, program, yeah. which is phenomenal. Um, and then that year was very informative for me. I really loved it. But it w I realized... Okay, the school system isn't for me, but I know what I need to do for when I go back to the city and work. That I need to get my acting class, I need to get into my dance class, I need to get into like a movement class, yeah, um, a scene study class. So I sort of like created a college for me in a way when I went back to the city, um, and uh, yeah, that was really really helpful. Um, I came back for a couple weeks in the next summer, and then I think the show closed close to like January something of 2008. Gotcha. Something like that. And so then how long did you have between that show and your next show? Yeah. So then I I went on tour with Spring Awakening. I finished the tour out as Hanshin the last three months of it and that was in 2008. Was that before? No, I'm sorry. I know something else. That's terrible. <laughs> no, tell me. 2008, 2009, I actually <laughs> went and did Bye Bye Birdie. The revival of Bye Bye Birdie. Yes. With Roundabout. And that was uh, John Stamos uh, played Albert. Mm -hmm. uh, Gina Gershon played um, Rosie. And then, uh, and Bill Irwin was Mr. McAfee. Like, it was a, a stellar cast. Mm -hmm. Stellar cast. Uh, and it was just really fun. And I understudied Conrad for that and went on quite a few times which is really exciting wow that was really fun yeah I, and you know originally i never liked bye bye birdie when I was, <laughs> yeah. before i did the show but once you get into a, this this groove and understand this, the show a bit more i really do enjoy bye bye birdie um i actually would like to direct it at some point oh come on <laughs> like it'll be you really heard fun. it here first everyone <laughs> you heard it here first um I think second revival really, directed right, by get it get it <laughs> robbie yeah. hagar i feel like it'd be really fun and like a, a cool thing but uh, 
unfortunately it didn't last too long i mean mm-hmm. it was a kind of a set date but they were trying to extend it but it didn't it, we didn't get the greatest reviews sure um but it was a really fun fun to fun experience um then after that is when i did the spring awakening tour i finished out the tour for three months mm-hmm. um were you excited to get to yeah it was back? really fun because uh, there was a i had no i known a few of those people that were on the tour uh because of like meeting through when we were on broadway with, mm-hmm. with the other um so that was really exciting. It was good to like also the first time that I get to like get out of the city and you know tour the country and right. get paid to do it. Yeah. So I think I really yes. like loved 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 doing that. Um, it's funny the first, I think one of the first cities that we that I joined in was Atlanta and we stayed at this hotel I think called the Gregorian or something and the room was like almost like a suite. And it was humongous. I was like, this is tour life. Right. Sign me up. <laughs> Because then we did, it's amazing. It was like, oh, okay, this is great. I want to do this more often. And then we were performing at the Fox Theater, which is beautiful. Insane. Insane. Um, So I was like, oh, I like this. Um, Yeah, it was a really fun time. And then when we closed, it was really sad. Um, We ended in Orlando, so then we went to Disney World. (laughs) You're like, what a way to close. Last hurrah. Last hurrah. (laughs) Well, you touched on it a little bit before, but something that I have just loved through getting to meet you is how beautifully open about your queerness you are. And I mm-hmm. um, I know that you had the opportunity to tour with the show Fun Home. And yes, Beth Malone, dear friend of the Hello, podcast, <laughs> she you know had her incredible star turn with mm-hmm. the Fun Home. But I would love to hear um, what that show meant for you, not only, you know, as a Mexican-American person, but as a queer person navigating that in this country and getting to tour a show like that across yeah. this country. What what was that like? What was it like to, to yeah. join a company like that? It, it really was magical because, you know, there was a slight fear, I think, that we had, very small fear, not, but about traveling the country in certain places with this show. Yeah. And I think some of those places that we were afraid of were the most moving to see people that in the audience that w- our assumption was like, they're not going to connect. They right. may even leave, mm-hmm. you know, and they would stay and they'd be the ones crying or standing at the end of the, the first to give us an ovation, yeah. you know, signing ovation. I think it's just an incredibly beautiful story. Uh, Alison Bechtel um, was hang, hang, hung out with us a little bit during rehearsals and would come out sometimes. And wow, she's amazing. That's crazy. You know? um, I think Sam Gold did a beautiful job with this because it went from in the round back to proscenium because mm-hmm. I think it was proscenium at the public. Um, and it really was, uh, it was just so beautiful to connect with this cast, with this story, and kind of, um, at, w- I started asking bigger questions about my identity. Yeah. this show and, and questions that I was like what what do I expect my behavior to be what what should I you know how do I get in touch more with, with my gayness mm-hmm. you know and I really loved that journey it was really fun because um, a lot of us were probably like discovering different ways of how how we should be humans totally I guess. and for um, the listeners tell, tell us what your track in the show was yes I was the Roy Mark and Pete uh, role and, uh, and yeah a lot of people say like who were you in that role but like I wasn't the dad mm-hmm. even though I would love to play the dad when right. I'm the right age for it yeah. and I wasn't the kid so I'm the other one <laughs> I was the other one else <laughs> I was the other one with the toolbox <laughs> um, you know it's like and, and when we first started rehearsals it was I, I had 
seen the show, and Joel is amazing. Joel Paris, who originated that role on Broadway, just did an incredible job with it. Um, and so it was really cool to kind of take that on. Yeah. And, and take that out on tour with this new, with this other cast. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I think one of my favorite memories is we were in Vegas, and we, we performed in the front row. There was this guy that had this, like, jersey, like some basketball jersey. Don't ask me about sports, because I don't know <laughs> what team that was. Well, that was my next question, yeah, so, no, I, guess so I don't know. wraps it up. And he was, like, just, just sitting, and he's like, as soon as she says, and I'm gay, and my father was gay, and that's why I became a lesbian cartoonist. You know, Alison Bechtel says that. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, we heard this, ugh. And just sat back, right? Oh, God. And at the end of the show, Jake, he was up in his feet crying. Uh, and I was like, that's why this show is yeah. amazing. Of course. That's why I do. I love doing this type of theater, this mm-hmm. type of musical theater. Um, so, from you know, and there were a couple other ones, there were a couple other cities that we experienced something similar. But that was one that was like this, because it was towards the, almost at the end of tour. It was like, okay, you know, it's like, how do we keep it alive? Yeah. That. Yeah, that that's what keeps you going. That yeah. is amazing. Well, and I'm sure, too, to have your own experience as a queer person and to to get to see that reaction, you know, to hear and see and take in that reaction from people mm-hmm. is different than working on a, a movie or a TV show that might have an impact, but you have no actual personal exchange right. between the audience taking it in, you know, yeah. and, and yourself. So how magical that you yeah. got to do that. So what was your, switching gears a little bit, just because mm-hmm. I want to know, Lovely. what was your upbringing like in Mexico City? It was awesome. I Did liked... you have like a musical, yes. like theatrical household? Definitely a lot of music, a lot of jazz and like big band, because my dad is a trombone player. Oh, and fantastic. that's kind of what his, his world. Um, he, sort, he had this, his big band that kind of played for a big superstar down there, Daniela Romo. She had a, a show called Hoy con Daniela. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to kind of like, you know, the Jimmy Fallon and, and the Roots play. So it was like a similar sort of like night show and talk show. So he would always, he, that was his thing. And he would play with a lot of stars. Like he played with Tony Bennett when he came and toured. Uh, he played with Luis Miguel. I think he played with Juan Gabriel, a couple other like famous Mexican artists. Fierce. So we were always kind of in that realm. Yeah. Uh, but into the theater world, it was really my brother. My brother who, he went to Ithaca College for musical theater. And it was, when he was in high school in Mexico, he did like all the school plays and the school musicals. And then the first introduction that I got to musical theater was The Phantom of the Opera. Of course. And I sang that Christine <laughs> nonstop in my boy, boy falsetto voice. Yeah. Um, I just fell in love with the magical elements of that show and then I got into and then Miss Saigon came came by and then like Les Mis and I was listening to all these soundtracks and I was like what is this world yes. what is this about um, and then through my dad I, I you know it was the jazz world the classical world um, so I got the, the musical theater from my brother but Mexico City is was an amazing I'm glad that I grew up there uh, you know we're a very tight family mm-hmm. um and then, uh, and it's funny actually. In February, I just went back for the first time. I think I might have told you this earlier, but like for the first time in twenty years, I went back home. Wow! And that was magical because at that point I was not out, and I was th- it was fourteen when I moved or thirteen when I moved, and uh, and going back as a gay man in Mexico, I'm like this city is very queer. This is and fun. I love it. Yeah. It's so because so, I was very afraid of going back, and I'm I came. Sure. I went with my husband Chris, yes. and I was a little afraid of like, well, uh, 
you know, what is it going to be like? Mm -hmm. um, but it was magical. It was so, so cool to return and Amazing. just, you know, relieve, relive the, these memories of my childhood. Yeah. Um, and your family was responsive to you being gay? Very. It's funny. My older brother's also gay. Amazing. So he came out. He really paved the way for me. Nice. Um, and one thing that really moved me is that, my, that both my parents were very supportive. Very, very supportive. I'm like, okay. Yes. Because, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us when we were kids, we think that, you know, we will never be able to come out to our parents. So we have to, I hate saying this, but we have to wait until they pass on for yeah. us to really be ourselves. Yep. And that was a worry forever in Mexico. Like, I, there were times I would blow the candles out of my birthday and be like, I wish I could be straight, sort of mm. thing. So it's like, it really carries with you. Oh but once that happened with my parents with, and how amazing they were to my brother, I was like, I need to tell them too. And same thing happened wow. like, you know all just hugs and love yeah and i'm very fortunate to be able to to say that and to have parents that i adore 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 we're a very very close family amazing um yeah so where did you move to from mexico city into the states we moved to rye new york so not too far from where we are here it's about an hour oh my gosh away, amazing i think we're in poughkeepsie listeners we're in, we're upstate beautiful poughkeepsie <laughs> um and we went to rye which is a, a complete culture shock i mean rye new york compared oh my to, God, to mexico imagine. city very very different um <laughs> like, what the a, fuck is snow yeah oh my god our first uh, that's what's cool the first winter was amazing i had the best memories of oh, snow because so i'd never cool. seen snow in my life <laughs> um and that was it after the after the other winters i'm like okay i'm done with fuck this. this i don't need this shit yeah. fuck this <laughs> no thank you um i want to go back to mexico <laughs> but uh uh yeah um we're in new york and then we we've been there ever since my parents are still there um my dad still works at the school that we went to in rye rye country day school wow um and uh, and then it was really what spring awakening that I then started making moves to New York and then I started you know floating on many couches in New York Absolutely. all the five boroughs uh, <laughs> no the four not Staten Island um, <laughs> nothing yeah that one uh, and uh, and then eventually just kind of you know found my footing and got my apartment there and I lived there for about like 10, 12 ish years mm -hmm. um, and then at the end is when I I got fun home and then. Wow. Happened, yeah. And now you're based in Philly. And I'm based in Philly, yeah. Amazing. Uh, which I love. So did you find that when you moved to Rye, you were able to still um, really like embrace and like honor your Mexican culture and heritage? Like, what was Ooh. that like going from, you know, being surrounded by other Mexican families and all of Mexican culture yeah. and then to a place where I mean obviously you said that your father is a musician so you had that you had those levels of like mm -hmm. connection and communication with other people but I would imagine that it was like you said a culture shock to to be 13 yeah and enter into a brand new space what was that like for you as not only a queer person but also an artist you know, I, I, it's, it was very hard. It was a very, very hard time. And, and even remembering, it's like really tough to be like, wow, I had to go through that, you know? Um, I definitely was made felt like other, big time. Like I had a very thick accent at that point. And like, it was really hard to, to belong. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a very 
Rye, New York is a very, very wealthy area. Okay. And uh, and we went to private school in Mexico. Was in that, there was a lot of wealthy people there too. But in, the thing in Mexico is that you're Mexican. You don't you don't question anything. You don't question the fact that like you are, you're not a minority there. Sure. Right. Of course. So then moving here, it was very obvious that I became a minority. You know. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I also have lighter skin, so it's also white passing Mexican sometimes, sometimes not, depending on who you're talking to. Yep. So it was a little bit of like, where do I belong for a while? Yep. Uh, it took a long, long time. <clears throat> um, so it was it was rough at the beginning. Sure. It was very rough at the beginning, and it, I started to assimilate and try to be white so I could fit in. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really hard. And I didn't realize what I was doing until really, you know, 2018 to 2020, yeah. specifically 2020, what happened right. was when I really could look back and say, wow, mm-hmm. okay, this is still a thing that's happening to a lot of people. Like, and I'm able to like step away from it now because of the time that we had to ponder on, our, on where we are as a country. Absolutely. Um, so it, it was... It was hard, but it was also what saved me was being an artist, I think. It was really being with music and, and getting into theater and community and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I'm glad I started auditioning. I mean, my first audition was when I was in eighth grade. And it was Captain Louie, a Stephen Schwartz kids musical. Okay. And I did a reading of that and I got it. It was really cool because at that point I had heard of Pippin and I loved Corner of the Sky and singing that song yes. and it was great. And then so I, I, I knew about Stephen Schwartz and um, I think Wicked had just opened. So I was like, oh my God, it'd be great to work with him. Um, and I booked it and it was a really great experience. And then from then on, you know, through high school, I was doing readings and workshops and I would go into the city and do all this stuff. Um, so that really helped me be in the New York world where it's all these cultures live together, right? And be able to then return to school and be like, I don't need to assimilate. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But it, it was a hard thing to, to get rid of for for a while. Well, and I think it's interesting and I would love to obviously hear your perspective on it, but, um, this sort of like inherent, um, code switching that we have like just indoctrinated people of color you know to have in in and out of the musical theater world but i definitely think that it's prevalent in in the theater industry of like passing for this or passing for that or if i'm castable as um a mexican person but who could cover the white lead because mm-hmm. i'm light skin enough or yeah. you know you're not dark enough sorry you're not reading as mexican and you're like well what the fuck does that mean like oh, what is I it like that many times yeah have you really <laughs> oh many many times so what then what <clears throat> would you say is like i mean i'm putting the weight of the world on your shoulders here no, but, but i hear what you, I hear what you mean what yeah. is the next step of like like if in a nutshell you could say like this is what we need to do yeah is it at a as a producer at that level is it writing is it casting is it all of it like what where does the shift begin to be like we're not doing that shit anymore yeah, to be honest, I mean, the full honest truth is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because we have to fully collapse for us to then see the pieces and put it back together. Rebuild. I think that's what's going on right now. It's a little tricky with how things, where the line lives, right? Because, uh, you know, I don't only need to play gay, Mexican, American, slash German characters for the right. rest of my life. Right. You know, I love 
interpreting other cultures that, that I course. love and respect that perhaps I look like or I don't, I, I, I'm, perhaps that's a, a possibility, mm-hmm. but I don't know where that line really lives because the most important thing is if in the show there's a consultant or somebody that has understands the culture of the show or if it's about a, like a, a racial or ethnicity uh, ethnic story yeah well, you need somebody that can be there for support mm-hmm. but also as an actor myself it is my duty to respect the culture that i'm representing to do the, the all the research necessary if it includes accents it is my job to make sure that i know the phonetics of that accent so i can represent it correctly yeah you know so I think I love, I would love to play like an Italian character or something, but you know, at, right now we're in a very tough time, like should I or should I not? I'm yeah. not Italian. Um, but I think what we need to do is like, unfortunately, the, the, the pendulum is, we can't stop it. Yeah. You know, so we need to let it crash. It's going to swing. Let the pieces fall everywhere. Feelings are going to get hurt. And we just have to like cry it out, let the anger come out so yeah. we can then make space for community to rebuild together and be like, okay, I think the respect is the most important thing. Totally. So I, I don't know like where, where all this really will take us, but I think it's just being graceful and kind to each other when if there is a mistake happening that it is not purposeful. Right. And when it is, we do call it out. But right. when it is not, it is to important to... use it as to, a learning it's opportunity. A, we're learning. We're, I mean, it's a new time for theater. And I think, you know, Broadway is going to change yeah. you know, drastically. And mm-hmm. theater is changing with... Even with this story that we're doing here, A Wrinkle in Time, or all these other shows that are being created that come out of the 2016 year, yes. horrible year, year yes. that we had, so much is being created that we're, we're going to learn how, to, how do we produce something like that. Totally. Um, how do we bring that, that, um, those stories to light? Um, so yeah, so I don't know. The respect. <laughs> I just have a lot of hope. Yeah. I, you know, art has always saved you know, generations. Yes. You know, art has always been the thing that kind of takes us out of this rut. So I just, I look forward to when we are part of the building again. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really, it's a very, or it can be a very polarizing conversation to have when we talk about things like authenticity in mm-hmm. casting, specifically with race or heritage, because yeah. There are musicals that are for, you know, quote unquote, for or by um, Latinx people. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean really anything anymore because you can be Mexican or Spanish or from the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or mm-hmm. any of these, you know, Latin American countries. Right. And you sort of then are brushed under the umbrella of Latin mm-hmm. or brown. Yeah. In, in the same way, there are people who are really up in arms about the casting about um, the national tour of Funny Girl Mm -hmm. and how this um, Cuban-American woman Mm -hmm. is going to take on the role of Fanny Bryce. And I think it's just a very interesting conversation to have, and obviously not to put you on the spot or to, Mm -hmm. you know, ask you to weigh in, but I just think that there, I see many sides to the argument of like, the role is Jewish, so it should be played by a Jewish woman. And like, where the difference between that is and just being able to respect and pay homage and do your research and know enough about the culture and heritage yeah. to get to play a role like that. It's right. just very interesting. I I'm, I mean, I'm obviously white as a toilet, so what the fuck oh, do I know? But <laughs> And you're gorgeous! <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, like, who am I to yeah. offer my opinion? But I, um, I'm very interested and I, I look forward to 
being able to at least just listen to those conversations right. and, and learn because... Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, like, Kat, Katarina is a dear friend of mine. We're working on this musical together, and she got it's the best to act with her and sing with her. Yeah. You know? I really, again, I don't know where the line really lives right now because, you know, I think she's going to be fantastic in that role. You sure. Know? And she's somebody that will make sure that she does her research respects the role respects the culture respects the religion in the uh, jewish religion and what it means to identify that way but i think she's the one somebody that i know personally Mm -hmm. will do what it takes and even more to make sure that that role is played in a way that it does not insult ever you know so i think that's it's it's the thing that i go back to you know i do i am i only doing gay mexican-american roles for the rest of my life mm-hmm. you know and the thing the, the joy about acting and interpreting another character is to learn the culture so we can sympathize and learn about other cultures and know that like oh i understand what is important to you and how i can respect you you know right i mean us stepping into other people's shoes and of course within reason you know again wherever this line is but stepping into other people's shoes is the best way to learn like how do we respect other people that are that are not like me you know, and right. how can I try to interpret and be moved by what that experience might be, and uh, and bring that to the stage and bring it to like to the arts? It's like that's awesome. I think that's kind of what I love about being an actor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where this where this will go, but I just know I would, I would love to hear her sing during a <laughs> break because she is phenomenal. I mean. I'm God, sure. she's amazing. If she's, if she's been, at least been given the opportunity to play this role, I'm sure that she can sing it the house down. You know, it's... Yeah, and if you haven't listened to it yet, I'm going to plug a little something. Azul, the EP release that uh, Jacinta Clusea has released, the composer of Azul, Caterina sounds phenomenal in that. Okay, she's I have so to good. ask you about it, because yeah. this isn't a piece that you created. No. But you had a hand in mm-hmm. the cast. You know, yeah. you were you were on stage with this show. Yeah. So what is it like to to be able to tell a story that is so like intrinsic oh. to your identity? Like tell me about maybe just the difference between yeah. doing something as moving as Spring Awakening, but mm-hmm. this is like you. This is your heritage yes. and your story. Yeah. It's really amazing like singing in Spanish has really accessed a new level of my voice I think or like my vocal training or whatever it is that like that has been like a little bit more of my heart is in it a little bit more of my heart comes out that I did not realize like oh right this is really phenomenal and this is really like a good feeling yeah um and Azul you know it's a it's a beautiful palette of music it really is like this beautiful watercolor painting of music that is just so beautiful um and it's it's really fun to access that part of myself into this you know singing in spanish has been really really exciting for me in the last four years really that yeah I've been, that i've been doing uh this stuff um and you know it's funny like even now saying this too i'm like thinking okay there is something about having you know the correct people represent the roles right because it really accesses something about it um but it is, uh, it's, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful show. Um, Martin Sola, who's here with us here too, mm-hmm. he's also in the, in the show. And um, yeah, it, it really is fun to tell a story that is very close to, to my identity, who we are yeah. as people. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love doing, and also it's a new piece, a yeah. new work. And like for me doing new work that also represents me, uh, yes, please. Incredible. Yeah. So then... What is it like to 
approach a new work as a performer when you have also created your own mm. material. I mean, not just like for your for your own self to perform, but mm. you have like <clears throat> created musicals. Yeah. What what how do you go about taking off the performer hat yeah. and putting on the creator hat, the composer and, you know, lyrics and story? Like what is that yeah. like for you? It's really fun. It's really like uh, eye-opening and it really humbled my actor brain hmm. a lot. You know, it really made me realize that like it's never, you know, whether I get a role or not and when I don't get a role, it's never about my talent. It's never about whether I was good enough. It sure. really is about, about putting a puzzle piece together um, and an energy that was just right for that moment, right? So, you know, when I'm casting my shows or when I'm writing music for, for singers that I'm working with, it's really a specific thing. Uh, it's that specific, you know. Um, I think, um, again, coming back into the sort of the acting role with this show and even with Azul, it's really fun to kind of do always do what's on the page because that's what the writer just wants to try first, mm -hmm. you know, and not judge it. You know, I'll have my opinions, I'll have my things. And when I'm asked by the director or the writer or something, what, if I'm acting in something, I'm happy to give an opinion. Yeah. But I've also learned how to give constructive criticism to a writing team by being a writer, by being on the table, and by getting sometimes questions from people <laughs> that's like, oh, I wish you could ask it a little nicer because it feels like you're, it's an like attack. Like a personal attack, right? right. But I, that's also like... You know, how do you play your ego <laughs> with this stuff? <laughs> yeah. But I think that's been really exciting to be like, I mean, even, even with this show, I'm like, we're going through and I was like, wow, there's like things here. What if it could be this? What if it's this? And like, oh, this is amazing. More of that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it really is about, you know, we're the last piece that comes into the show. You know, the acting, the actors and even musicians are like sort of like the last element that, you know, solidifies a show. Mm -hmm. So we're giving life to something that's like been percolating in, their, in the writer's brains that's like, let's give them what they think works and what might work or might not. And then we'll come back to it. You know, like, sure. I, I, I really wonder what our last script for this show will be. Like, what our beginning script that we got yesterday to oh, yes, for the last time. one. Right, for Wrinkle in Time. Right. Like, I wonder what it's going to look like because mm -hmm. it's like, when you get actors involved, everything changes. <laughs> sure. Everything changes. So I, I love being a part of it as an actor, but also... Being a part of as a writer is really exciting. It's like an like something that you were like, I don't know how to make this moment work. I have no idea. Do I put more words? Do I put another? And it's like, oh, it's literally just a visual. Yeah. Oh, got it. Because the actor understands. It's like it looks this way. I don't need to do a song for it. Uh huh. <laughs> you know. We can, we can, cut, we, a we whole can cut a whole song, song out of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. I, I love I love you know and even like in the you know directing or even producing wise I love I would love to produce more yeah like, produce really my own stuff but i love meeting people i love chatting with people no and i chat you? i talk a lot <laughs> so, you know i mean this gin and tonic is getting to my head so you tell me when to stop honey uh no it's so funny it's like you know on top of like asking for money it's, a, it's it, that's a hard question to ask but it's really about making friendships and connections oh, i'm just yeah. being like this is why I think you should you should listen to this, or you might love this piece because it might connect with you. Yeah. You know? And then when you find people that really are connected by your piece or the things that you're 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 quote unquote selling. Yeah. You create a bond. You create a friendship, and I, I that's what I want. I want to create you know friendships and things that are gonna last. People, yes. that, you know, relationships that are gonna last, to be able to be like be a part of new things, mm -hmm. be a part of the things that we're creating. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I of course asked you about the the heavy hitters, the the deep, you know, emotional material that you've worked on. But yeah. is there a show either on Broadway or or wherever tours or regionally that has been like the most fun for you to do? Oh man! Or maybe not even the most fun, but like the most like frivolous, you know, just like insane. we're doing this to do this. We're doing this because. It's Beauty and the Beast, and I'm a fork, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, the, I mean, the first thing is I was just talking to Philip, who's another actor here at Ring yes. of the Time. We, we hung out last night. I was telling him about this reading that I did in upstate... Is it upstate New York, or maybe it was in Massachusetts? I don't even remember where it was, but <laughs> it was a terrible reading of this show that... Uh, it was a Grimm's fairy tale thing, and they were trying a lot of things. It was kind of wanting to be into the woods, mixed with little shop of horrors, and it it wasn't it wasn't there. But they were demanding so much of us, right? Right. But the best thing was like you know we were they put us in a hotel, and uh, my really dear friend of mine, John Tracy Egan, was in it. Uh, Jen Colella was in it too. Ah, oh, queen. Uh, it was, and oh my goodness. When we would go back to the hotel, we'd just go home and, you know, party. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I, I always love doing this. I love getting the cast together and, like, let's bond, right? Yes. So then I asked everybody, like, hey, y'all, there's drinks and our stuff in my, <laughs> in my hotel room. And uh, let's hang out. Let's just, you know, talk through what crazy thing we're doing here. Because yes. they were paying us a lot of money, too. Uh-huh. Like, we were there for two weeks. And it was, like, a really insane amount of money wow. for this show that really didn't have any legs. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, Kevin Zack was there too, who I love. Do you know Kevin oh, Zack? Oh, yes. He's hilarious. Come on. His Instagram is the best. Go follow him. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was just, I remember just being laughing hysterically nonstop with this cast. And it was like, that's a great core memory that I have. Yeah. Um, and it was just a reading. It wasn't even a full production. <laughs> it lasted two weeks. And I have such great memories of that. Love it. Whatever that show was called. But that's um, that's like... I think something so beautiful and and lucky that we get to experience as performers and artists because there is so much joy in the bond and you know one could sometimes call it a trauma bond when mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in rehearsals or or you know whatever working at a theater that is like maybe yeah. doesn't treat you the best or oh, whatever fine, but yeah. like if you have solid people around you doesn't matter what you're doing like yeah. At the end of the day, you you get to go home and, like you said, like have a G and T and be ridiculous and, shit and like make those like lasting relationships. So yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, there's many others too. But like, I think that's the thing. Just finding, like you're saying, when you have the right people, it's the best. It's just so fun. Like we're gonna be there's gonna be debauchery this this next <laughs> couple weeks here. So <laughs> okay, well. Robbie, the time has come for me to ask you my musical theater rapid fire questionnaire that I ask all of my guests on the show. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh God, that's very, very hard. Um, <laughs> I'll say Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. Sweatpants or jeans? Sweatpants. That is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite musical? I don't think it's been written yet. Oh, yeah. interesting. I think there's a lot that I love, but I, I don't think it's been written yet. Might it be written by you yourself? Um, you know what? 
Yes. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, bitch. Uh, do you have a least favorite musical? A least favorite musical? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I think he's, Carrie. He's pondering. Oh, yeah. Carrie. I don't, All right. uh, Carrie's my least favorite. I'll listen to it still, though. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the quote unquote flop of the century, yeah. Carrie. Um, uh, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Oh, yes. Love. I, I don't know which one, but I just want to. I would love to do a Broadway do some play. Drama. Actually, you know what? Equus was always one of that I, when I <gasps> was in Spring Awakening. You just want to be naked. And I just want to be naked. <laughs> and just like. Sh- Show my schlong everywhere. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. Me too. Mm-hmm. And here, when we have rehearsals oh, at three in the morning, I'm like, I have to go to bed, but I want to hang out with everyone. <laughs> um, what is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Oh, you know, and then we never did it, but I think uh, a director asked us to put uh, butter on our face so we can get uh, pimples for the show. What? And I'm like, that's never going to happen. Like, to literally fill your pores and give you pimples. To look even more like teen or ju- teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, like, nope. Not butter. Mm-mm. No, not doing that. Um, golden age or contemporary? I think I'll say contemporary. Love. Favorite role you've ever played? Favorite role I've ever played? Um, actually, this is going to be crazy, but uh, Juan in Alter Boys. Juan. That's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Love. Uh-huh. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Me too. Mm. How about the hardest show that you've ever done? Dr. Zhivago. Oh, Ooh, yes. That was a workout. And we were on the, on the rake stage, mm-hmm. running all over the place. There were pyrotechnics. I had to like pretend to be dead for a full song. <laughs> I was on stage and like just with a, and with a handkerchief over my face. Oh, my God. No. Well, ask Leslie Margarita her, her mm-hmm. dying on stage story when a rat fully ran across her body oh, <laughs> on the West fuck End. no. <laughs> she said, I got up. I remembered I had to be dead. And I laid back down. <laughs> um, could you name all of the Broadway theaters that you've performed in? Yeah, I think it could. Did you know Neil Theater? Um, the now Stephen Sondheim Theater, the Henry Miller Theater mm-hmm. before. Uh, the Hirschfield Theater and the Broadway Theater. Love. I love the Broadway. It's great. It's so pretty. I want to see Here Lies Love there. I do that, too. That's going to be amazing. I loved it off and at the public. Yes. I Oof. cannot wait. Oh my God. But that new like reconfiguration mm-hmm. with the full extravaganza, the dance floor. Right. I'm what like, the hell? This is a concert. Um, favorite costume you've ever worn? Favorite costume I've ever worn? Oh, Fun Home. Fun Home. Yeah. That like 70s. TV star costume? Yes, please. <laughs> yes, That was please. amazing. Giving Mama Mia Bejeweled. Oh, <laughs> yes. Loved it, loved it. Um, have you ever missed an entrance? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. do tell, do tell. Um, <clears throat> let's see, which one? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was one when I was in Philly, at a theater in Philly, and like, it was, I was late two places. And the lights came up, and I was like, like five seconds it wasn't that late but yeah. five seconds later I just ran and I was supposed to be asleep on my desk <laughs> and I was not Running so I in. ran to sleep <laughs> <laughs> amazing that was oh my god 
Well, <clears throat> my last question that I ask all of my guests is, what is one thing that you would tell younger Robbie? Oh, I'm in Drag Race. I love this. <laughs> yes, this is your Drag <laughs> this is my Drag Race moment. Your tic I'm going to win this <laughs> crown. Um, <clears throat> I would say to my younger self that it is beautiful to be Mexican. Mm. It is a beautiful thing to speak Spanish and sing in Spanish and to bring that into an audition room that you nothing can take that away from you like you walk into that you're Latino you've got it bring that into the role with whatever accent they're asking if it's like if it's an American role whatever but bring your heart my Mexican your Mexican heart into it I love that yeah Yo quiero practicar mi español contigo. Ah, pues aquí estamos, ok. Ahora en español, everybody together. <laughs> Juntos. Juntos todos. Oh my God. Oh yes. my God. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for being hey, Jake, you're on amazing. the pod. This is an amazing I... podcast. <laughs> he says he's never listened. It's fine. Yeah, well, I did now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you on like socials or anything like that? Yeah, uh, really... Um, RobbieHager.com is my website. I'll update update that a lot. Yes. Uh, and then really, it's just Instagram that I use the most. So it's at Robbie Hager, and I'm there. Fantastic. Yeah. And we'll find you on the Instagram. Yeah, thank oh, you. Thank you for doing this. I thank adore you. Love you. Love you. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Also, please, please shoot me an email at ompug at gmail.com. Let's tell some stories. Let's talk about some things. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.